Hey, this is Brandon, um, and as always, I'm with my buddy, Pastor Chad from Up North, um, and this is Unfinished People, where we are two pastors, two friends, in process, trying to love Jesus as best as we can and to live out the gospel, and at the same time, pastor well, and so we are in episode five, Cinco, Cinco, five. And, and this is part two of, I got stuck with all of that. It's part two of our gospel yeah. conversations. And we're trying to like move into this vein of our process, our journey as to how we come to discover the good news and what the good news looks like in our lives and in our pastoring. And one significant aspect of the good news that seemed to be always on the lips of Jesus was the good news of God equals the kingdom of God. And that is a very elusive um used word a lot without probably people fully understanding what it is. And I can't think of any other person to start this conversation off with a good concept and a, a good grasp of the kingdom of God as someone who I've known journeying through it. And so, Chad, I'm just gonna kind of launch you into it where like when you start hearing about the good news being equal to the kingdom of God coming near or coming in the midst of us, man, what does that look like? And where have you been in that process? Yeah. No pressure. It makes None. me think of if you died tonight, Brandon, and God asked where you, would you, why go? should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Um, I would I have pull a lot up my of... resume and be like, I'm a Bears fan. Half pity <laughs> right. on me. Bears fan, we lose. Hey, we lose. hey, real quick, real quick. Those of you yes. in Minnesota, you know the rules. Do not text me anything about the Bears game when they're playing the Packers. Don't do it, Molly. Don't do it. Yeah, Molly Doll. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Get called out in the podcast. Um, yeah, I I have a lot of scrambled thoughts, probably because it's it's so much in process, and I'm listening to other podcasts and reading on this. I've got several books going. I mentioned one, the very first episode, the Very Good Gospel by Lisa Harper Jones. And just challenged, I think, more than anything. Just listened to John Mark Comer yesterday, and he said that the words gospel, eternal life, and kingdom are used interchangeably throughout those initial gospels. And so it's just good. I mean, I think I'm, I feel probably more scrambled um, knowing that, I mean, I think I would say it is the kingdom of God being inaugurated, I the cross for sure— just to jump right in. The cross, for sure, obviously pays for sins. But I had never grasped the idea, and I've started using it more and more in conversation, and when I speak, that it was a coronation, that the cross, like mm. that the crown of thorns wasn't just, hey, this is funny, you say you're the king of the Jews, that the placard above his head, king of the Jews, you know, the, I think there, there was a reason the Pharisees, the religious leaders were upset that they put that, don't put that up there. You know, and mm. Pilate's like, I've put what I've put. <laughs> so, so right, what? Right. You know? um, but that it was, Jesus was being crowned, crowned as king. Um, and I, I guess I, I, I'm going to kick it right back to you. What have been the effects of us not understanding that um, in the church, in American Christianity in particular, over the last 50 years of it? I, I mean, I, honestly, I haven't heard many people. I didn't hear that growing up. He's that this is the announcement of Jesus King as King and his kingdom. Um, I heard only you are going to go to hell 
because of your sins, you're a tool, and Jesus <laughs> loved Which you one? anyway. <laughs> Jesus loved you anyway. Isn't I like to amazing? think I'm a ratchet. Yeah, you're a ratchet. I, I don't yeah, know why. I, I think I'm a rusty old something in the shed that has been forgotten for so long, and Jesus is like, ah, fine. I'll die for him too. And yeah, and and kind of we've mentioned the last few episodes too. Like it's a golden ticket. Well, I don't want to go to hell. And so sure, I'll accept the gospel and then that's it. And then people go and live like hell. And because they they've got their ticket and well, he's forgiven me. It's it's grace. And so, you know, you think about Bonhoeffer talked about cheap grace. Yeah. Easy believism. You know, John Mark Comer was making me laugh because he was like, you know, we've all heard this. He's like, the pastor's up front giving the altar call, all heads bowed, every eye closed. If you'd like to give your life to Jesus, um, I see that hand. I see that hand. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, and, oh, and no. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for thank that you. hand. Yes. Thank um, you. Yep. You back there, in case everybody yeah. else with their eyes closed didn't know, I'm letting you all know there was someone in the back corner. Thank right. you. And the two, I mean, and also, I mean, obviously, I, at one point, I think several times, actually, as a kid, I raised my hand, I went forward, I stood up, you know, whatever, all the things that they ask you to do, I was like, man, I want to make sure it takes, because I feel like I lost it again. <laughs> so that's my yeah. open. Uh, it's in process. Yeah. I think I'm starting to get it. But the difference between a kingdom and a quick decision on a Friday night at a retreat yeah, I, I mean, shoot, like our backgrounds are different, just like we talked about last week. We never had a a conversion moment. We never had a mm-hmm. make a decision moment. It was if you're baptized as an infant, voila. And if you're now confirmed, voila. It was like boom, boom. So boom, you had to go through go. confirmation. Was that kind of like oh, yeah. a f- official seal the deal? Now you really are. Because if you didn't do a confirmation, you're toast, right? Well, it, it almost like if I were to, it almost felt like the infant baptism was the salvation, and the confirmation okay. was to guarantee you're a Lutheran. Okay. Even though that's not what they would say, that's definitely what I walked away with. Because hmm. Luther's going to meet you at the gates of heaven. Yeah. He's going <laughs> to ask me the question. He's going to be the one. He's got a special place. Yeah. Um, but it, Which is such but, a shame, because I don't think Luther had any of that intention. But, like... Uh, <laughs> It is funny because, like, one of the things that you just said is, like, you know, in the last 50 years, I do think there's a few factors, at least in the American church, that has influenced the way we think about the gospel and the kingdom of God. And I think part of it, and I'm not, like, trying to strip a hornet's nest, but it is just fact of, like, the moral majority when mm-hmm. we start to place, like, kingdom through um, political constructs where that becomes the primary filter and we start to think of the advancement of the kingdom of God through political vehicle, you know, as that is the Messiah at some respects, I think just creates a very uncompelling picture of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so like that's the part where I was wrestling with it's like, man, when Jesus came in, like there was like almost this like eagerness and anticipation and excitement to go the kingdom of God is near. Mm-hmm. Like, it is so good. Repent. Change everything. You're not going to want to miss it. Like, all of these, like, excitement, like, excited urgency, and it's just, it felt compelling. Yeah. And that's where I'm just like, 
it doesn't feel compelling or like it does feel compelling, but there's like so often the way we talk about it or the way we portray it in, in mm-hmm. church or even in our own lives. It's, it's like this. Yeah. Is it really? I like that thread you're going down with the kingdom related to our idea of kingdom or government or power. And I think it, it explains a lot with, so let's say we accept Jesus and we, we accept that, uh, some would actually call it the one of the American Gospels. John Mark Comer would say it's one of the American Gospels, which is the quick thing. Like, you know, you're you're bad, you're a sinner, you need to... And it isn't that those things aren't true. It's a part of it. But say you accept that, and then somebody's like, well, no, this is about a kingdom too. They're like, oh, well, if that's the case, then let's get that thing shoved in to what we know is power and, and the things that we understand are power in this world. And so I, I was shocked you know, even going through the Gospels as as a pastor to preach on them, reading that Barabbas, first name was Jesus. Jesus Barabbas or Jesus of Nazareth? Which one do you want? And that he wasn't even... The Passion of the Christ is a great movie, um, but a little bit extreme on the physical suffering and not necessarily understanding all that was happening, you know, in the spirit. But Barabbas is like this... I mean, he looks... I don't know if you remember that scene. He looks like this guy that's like the worst person in the world. Um, and what really was happening was he was probably because if you, I was reading this morning in Mark. It was it was one of my assigned readings for reading the Bible in a year, and it was saying he was a part of the rebellion, meaning he's a zealot. He was leading this. We are taking the kingdom back, and so. The question to the crowd was, do you want Jesus Barabbas or do you want Jesus of Nazareth? And they were like, give us Barabbas. Give us the power. Let's get this gospel good news. Uh, you mentioned something a couple years ago. Um, you were studying for Christmas. What did you find out about Caesar when it came to this word? I don't know if you remember. I'll, I'll, I'll help you because I remember you were talking about we were um, on one of our trips with the guys. <laughs> And uh, it, it stuck was, so deep. It, it was. Oh, it, it stuck so deep. Let me remind you of yeah. your words and what you studied. Wasn't was, it like Caesar's Lord? Well, it's Caesar's Lord, but actually, this is crazy. So he like renamed himself Octavian. Savior. Renamed himself Augustus, Caesar Augustus. Um, yeah. Deus Filius in Latin, which is Son of God. Yeah. And so they believed he was half divine. They called him Lord and Savior. Yep. Prince of Peace, and one ancient inscription that was found, discovered by archaeologists, reads this. The birthday of the god, Caesar Augustus, was the beginning for the world of the euangelion, the gospel, the glad tidings that have come to men through him. So when, when you hear those words, Prince of Peace and the gospel, in the gospel writers, they're not just pulling something out of thin air. They are... They're vamping yeah. on current cultural things. Talk oh, about yeah. that now that, now that your mind is refreshed. What did you? What? Where were oh, you yeah. going when you preached on that? It's just like that is always, always the contrast. It's never going to change. It's like every culture, every government, every society is going to paint their picture of a good news. They're going to prop up some Messiah figure or individual or system or entity or whatever, and it's just like no. Jesus is the unexpected one. It's like always going to be mm-hmm. this contrast. So if you just think about that contrast right there, it's just like, is Rome really 
the eternal city, what did Rome look like? What did Rome do? You know, and like, is Rome still around the way it was? Right. You know, it's just like, no. So it's like, if we place our hopes in these things, and it's so subtle, because I'm sure a lot of people are like, for sure, Rome is the savior of the world. Look at all mm-hmm. the advancement. Look at all the good. Look at all the stuff. I mean, philosophy, teaching, even government, democracy, Law. like yeah. all of that stuff was coming out of there. And yeah, it looks great. It is. It is. It, did it help human civilization to thrive? And it, Sure. But is it the mm-hmm. savior? No. Right. You know, and so that's the contrast. And it's also like, well, how does one achieve peace? Right, it like does give, how did Caesar? Level. You go ahead. I was just say like how like how did Rome achieve the peace? It was by oppression, right? Yep. It, essentially, yeah, Pax like, Romana was uh, we're going to crucify thousands of people and line them up on the roads and say peace is here. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. And, the, and if not, then they they keep the peace by asking for tributes and keeping yeah. the people in there and letting them do their things. But it's like, you're not free, but you are free. If you, it's just, it's yeah. forced. And it's like, yeah, you have to bow to knee to something and compromise. Like there's, there really. are elements of it that feel good to some people. And I think that's why they're like, you talk about these forms of, there are gospels everywhere. Um, but just to kind of go on, uh, I remember in Tom Holland, the uh, guy who wrote that book, Dominion is just super smart dude um but talking about pax romana and he said that the crucifixions that their method of killing people was they were billboards they would line Mm -hmm. them up along the roads hundreds and hundreds of people crucified basically saying hey look we're here we're in charge um peace is here the peace of rome don't cross us no pun intended or we will cross you we'll, we'll put you up and it, it was they were left there to rot people would walk right. and look and like can you imagine walking down the street and seeing somebody you know or a family member going yeah. okay this is what this means um i well go ahead like like the the other part too is just like when jesus compared the kingdom of god is like a mustard seed right so it's it seems small and insignificant and it's real subtle its influence is organic, you know, and mm-hmm. it's not meant to be forceful and all that kind of stuff. Like I know sometimes like Christians take that, like the kingdom of God violently advances and violent people take it by force. It's like, well, th- that's not the the yeah. crusade concept. It, it's, it's a real subtleness. And even if you go back to Zechariah chapter four or Ezekiel 47, it's like, do not despise the day of small beginnings. And in Ezekiel 47, the, the flow of the Holy Spirit that comes out of the Holy of Holies starts as a trickle, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just this beautiful concept of God is winning hearts, that takes time, versus right. forcing the issue, Yeah, right? And so, like, those, to me, I'm like, those are two very clear um, items to go, which kingdom is one that reflects Jesus or not? Yeah. You know, it's just like... So when I looked at Caesar in Christmas, it's like, he's coming with no pomp, no circumstance. You're going to choose him or not choose him. And if you choose yeah. him, you get peace. If not, Rome's like, no, you're going to choose us. And that's the only way you're going to get peace, even though it won't feel like peace, but that's how you're going to get peace. Right. And it's just all... Another it's, interesting it's side an... note on Caesar being the son of God, they they actually pointed to like a shooting star or something when he died. 
um, and said, see, he rose from the dead. He's resurrected. Like, so even the concept of resurrection wasn't like a major deal to them. Like it was so right. just seeing how much I, I was looking at the, you know, talking about other gospels. Um, and I love the Marvel movies. Do you like the Marvel movies? Dude, a little okay, bit good. obsessed. Not okay, the latest ones though. <laughs> I just, uh, they just kind of, they keep going. I, I don't mind. It's still fun. But so Marvel Infinity War, uh, and for all of you that are listening that aren't into this, tough. <laughs> um, but there's that guy, Ebony Maw, um, and he's he's Thanos's uh, right hand henchman. He's got that like like he's like balding in the front, but this like wiry gray hair. Kind of like I, what I would look like if I had long hair. <laughs> right. So, but and people just. Right. People disagree with me on this, but I I feel like Thanos uh, and the writers there, it's a bit of a dig on the God of the Bible. It just feels like he's, it's kind of this, like he's wiping out populations for the good of all, he's making decisions, but it, what really sold it for me was an ebony maw, they walk in, they're taking over this town, and he says this, I have the quote, he says, hear me and rejoice. You have had the privilege of being saved by the great Titan. You may think this is suffering. No, it is salvation. The universal scales tip toward balance because of your sacrifice. Smile, for even in your death, you have become children of Thanos. And I was like, what? I mean, even, and he did it in another one too. It's like, rejoice, you know. Hear me and rejoice. You are about to die at the hand of Thanos. Be thankful that your meaningless lives are now contributed to the balance. And I listened to it. I was like, this, these guys are doing something here with the whole idea of, you know, God deciding on people's lives and a little bit of, you know, who are you? Because obviously Thanos is a punk. Um, Mm -hmm. But even even his name, Thanos, Theos, like, I mean, just think about Mm -hmm. the... And so I was just thinking about different gospels that we believe, and there are there's secular gospels all over the place, which, you know, believe in the power of yourself, believe in the power of advancement, um, technical, technological advancement, scientific advancement, making money, um, you know, like those things are what the gospel of Jesus comes up against and definitely cause us. They draw us, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they, they really... live within a, a culture called a kingdom. Yeah, and so it's it's God is definitely bringing this place of competing allegiance. I think that's that would be some of the new thinking I have in my head about, okay, this isn't just about getting my sins washed away. Um, this is yeah. about, you know... Man, yes, the it was Saturday... Was it Saturday? I think it was, yeah, it was like either last Friday or Saturday as I was driving back home, I was behind a car and it had a bumper sticker on there, which I was like, this bumper sticker is exactly (laughs) beautiful pitch, not a beautiful picture, a clear picture of our society and culture. And it says, live your truth. Yeah. And I just went, that is one telling of like the thirst inherent in humanity like they're looking for it, but man it's like well whatever you land on mm-hmm. you live that because that's your yeah. truth and yeah, it's live just your like, truth speak your truth the grammar notwithstanding <laughs> man, oh, man. yeah and then it's just it goes like you know 
nothing's new under the sun. Paul, even in Acts 17, like walking into Athena or um, Athens, yes, Athens, yep. and looking at all the idols and all the different altars, you know, I'm like, that's what happens in any kingdom. There's a slew of them. And, and he even goes like, man, you guys are even so cautious. There's this one that you don't even know. Yeah. And you're just wanting to like, you know, hedge your bets and you're just going to worship this unknown God. And I'm like, that to me is the beautiful moment. Like even Jesus walked in into that time of Roman oppression, Jewish oppression on their own people tried to protect them, mm-hmm. which feels very much similar to some aspects of Christianity today. But I digress of coming in and like presenting an alternative view. And it's not like Gospel, one that's yeah. built it on guilt or like you've done wrong of morality, but it's one on emptiness. And and I want so did that, you say built uh, it? Your, you said built it. Pra, built it, on built it. Yeah, on. maybe. Just stop it, Thanos. <laughs> Just Rejoice. Um, you have shush. been found out in your grammar. <laughs> I've been found out in my grammar yeah. for years, man. I'm yes. way beyond that. No, okay. I'm not. Actually, go home and cry. Um, Sorry, go here, back to it. There's my this, bad. So live your truth. Then I stumbled upon this quote, and I went, I think this is, this is one of the reasons why the kingdom of God is so compelling, the way Jesus presented it and the way the early church presented it in one that we fail to, because going back to like the altar calls, you'll, you'll see where I'm going. Here's a quote. I don't even know who it's from. I don't have that kind of memory. Anonymous. Like Anonymous quote. <laughs> Increasingly, however, we are living in a society that is not merely immoral, but amoral, unused mm-hmm. to thinking in the categories of right and wrong in such a postmodern society where fewer and fewer people feel any sense of guilt over their lifestyle, it is important that we recognize there's another way of presenting the gospel. Mm-hmm. And this approach, similar to that which Jesus used with the Samaritan woman, is to focus on the bondage or the emptiness, not the guilt, as humanity's basic problem. So one's basic need then becomes liberation, freedom from the slavery and futility of sin, and the gospel is the means whereby we enter the freedom to be what we were created to be, God-centered worshipers. And he goes mm-hmm. on later in the quote, he's like, this is Paul's approach to the gospel in Galatians. You were in bondage to a futile and empty lifestyle, but Christ came to set you free. Yeah. And I was just yeah. like... The moralism thing, though, is what we've been doing forever. Like, yeah. we've just, just like... You Alter just, calls, that's what it is. Good versus bad, yeah. Like, you're bad, you need the good, rather than this... the. Not even more than a felt need, I hear in those quotes. Like it's this deep longing and this ache that, yep. you know, kind of what we talked about with the rich young ruler. He's like, I, mm-hmm. I think I've been doing everything, but what's missing? What's not here? And yeah, it just Jesus' masterful way with the woman at the well of asking questions, of caring for her. And, and not, he wasn't, he didn't just get in there and like hammer down, like, you're so bad. Like, look at right. all these people that you're sleeping with, and you're not even with, you're not married anymore. Like, he just, he kind of tapped into the the longing of, of yeah. what... And same thing with the rich young ruler, mm-hmm. right? He didn't guilt them. Like, oh man, you are greedy. You need to repent of your greed. Yeah. And he's just like, no, give up the thing that you believe is going to give you yeah. your joy. I do, th- I do think the rich young ruler, because I was listening, same guy, Comer, um, and I was that was that was interesting to think more about that one because Jesus it, it was never quite the same with each person, um, which is probably insightful to us about how to share mm-hmm. the kingdom with people, the good news. But 
the guy said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, you know, and he said, he kind of played, he did this thing. He goes, so I've grown up in the American gospel. And he goes, and so here's how I'd answer this. Do, you don't need to do anything. I've done it all for you. It's all done, and you just need to believe it. And I was like, that's what we were talking about there. It is this place of belief, but it's not just intellectual belief, because what Jesus does say to him is like, you know what to do. Keep the commandments. (laughs) And you're like, wait. And Comer's like, he's like, it's almost like Jesus was heretical to himself (laughs) by saying you need to do. But he's obviously going at the guy's heart. And it's just what you're saying with the woman at the well. He's peeling back what is important to that guy. Um, but I, I just found that interesting because he doesn't correct him. He doesn't say, oh, it's not really about keeping that. Because in some sense, God is looking for us to be faithful to him, to worship. And the way we do that is by keeping his way of life that is good. And so then when we break it, obviously breaking those commandments, but I just, I just thought that was interesting thinking about yeah. what Jesus was doing there and how sometimes he doesn't say exactly what we want him to say to fit into our gospel tracts. Right. Right. <laughs> Jesus, right. why aren't you fitting into the four spiritual laws? Why didn't you tell well, him? Yeah. I was going to say like, even to the degree of like, it, it just, you know, you guys just went through Acts 2 as a church and, and we did about a year ago, like when you get to Acts 15, just like the, wait, so the kingdom of God is for the Gentiles? And what? Really? And you're just like, wait a second. It's been talked about for hundreds of years, and now yeah. in the mo- in the midst of the kingdom actually growing and expanding, they're like, this can't be. Yeah. Don't like this. And then, you know, so it's like, I think a lot of times in our culture, that's why we push back so much on the kingdom. It's like, it's going places I don't want it to go. And it's yeah. asking me to do things I don't want to do. So let's control it. And let's how we control this by morality. Right. Yeah. Get people to behave. Um, you know, behavioral modification has kind of been our MO of you have to do these things, do this. And it isn't that there is a good way that God wants that that brings life and fullness. All right. So let me throw two competing probably ideas. Um and one would kind of be very much more the reformed idea of, um, you know, that this, uh, how we see Jesus, because what we're talking about is like, if the gospel is here, if the kingdom is here and the, the kind of the peak of that was the cross and the resurrection, Jesus being crowned as king, um, then Paul's statement, and I think, is it in, uh, first Corinthians 15, this is kind of the one that everybody goes to. Do you want to know like a, perfect definition of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, 1, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. I think that's a part that people leave out. We'll talk about that. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And so that's kind of the this, New Testament, like, right? <laughs> yeah. But it, there's this uh, a lot of times it's he died for our sins, he was raised, and that's, you know, that's it. You just, this is the thing. But I think that whole in accordance with the scriptures is the part that everybody goes, yeah, accordance with the scriptures. Yeah. And you go right to the, you know, 
Now contrast that, because that is like, if you want to dial it down into where we get the four spiritual laws, where we would get the kind of quick, you just need to believe that you're bad and sinful. Jesus is good. He lived the perfect life. He died for you. Accept it. You're good. Um, No real responsibility to actually have the kingdom be played out in your life. Scott McKnight said, the gospel is what's in the gospels. So the gospel according to Mark, the gospel according to John, the gospel according to Matthew, the whole book is the gospel. Everything right. Jesus did, everything he said, the way he interacted with the people, the way he loved people, the the way he took on oppression and justice, that he died, that he, like, I was like, whoa, that, that ruffles my feathers a little bit of, okay, but yeah, don't you need to like, don't we need to like narrow it down into a few statements. Um, what do you think about that? What do you think about Nick McKnight's quote there compared to just the quick first Corinthians 15? I think both are right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I think it's like you, it's kind of like what you said, like how Jesus interacts differently with all people. Yeah. It's just like he, he curates their hearts in such a beautiful way that there is that aspect of journey, but it's not one or the other, which is where I think our discipleship has like stumbled in the church. It's like, we just want to go, Hey, make your profession of faith, trust him. Okay. Now kind of get into our program for lack of better words in the program mm-hmm. for right, wrong or indifferent is more intellectual than it is actually like, how do I embrace this as a way of life? Like, how yeah. do I move my orthodoxy into orthopraxy to quote, like, a lot of the reform yeah. stuff? It's like, that's where it falls short, because we just want to go, here, I believed, I'm good, now I'm just going to recycle in my own morality. I confess my sin, I wasn't good, and that's my, like, my Christian walk pattern. Yeah. I go to church, I get my boost, I'm great, there, I stumbled, I fall, I come back to church, and this again, and like, you forget the rest right. of it. You know, and a part of it is I think there's safety in that. Like we feel a little bit more in control. Mm-hmm. And then instead of going like, man, how do I love the poor? How do I love my enemy? How do I pray for my neighbor? How do I turn the other cheek? How do I give the my tunic and walk you mean the extra he meant mile? All of those things? Hundred <laughs> percent. You know? And like like I was gonna ask you, like, as we start to like get this in a little bit more personal vein, I was gonna ask you like mm-hmm. this question of like what part of the kingdom are you discovering that's been like a challenge and a blessing to you, yeah. right? And so, because that's how this, I find the, the kingdom of God is like a multifaceted diamond. Like there's right. no way it could ever get old. And it's always compelling. It's always like beautiful once you discover it. Yeah. And that's where it's like, man, this thing just keeps evolving. And it's mm-hmm. so absolutely beautiful, but we can't just compartmentalize it. Like it's just this, it's going to be just this, it's just going to be this. It's like, yeah. man, no, it's all inclusive. So that's where it's a hard question to go. The gospel is in the gospel. Yes. Yeah, and, yeah. and yet first Christians. Holy 15 God, is you can't enter true. his presence. Yeah. You know, without we need him. Your, your heart cleaned and made yeah, holy. He needed to die. He needed to have his body broken. He needed to have his blood shed for us yes. to have atonement. He needed to be buried and resurrect. He needed mm-hmm. to ascend, like all those things. Yes, 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 yes. And we need to believe, but yet at the same time, if we love him, we will do what he says. But I think that's the part where I'm yep. learning is like, there's a first thing first. 
mm-hmm. not the do part. So it's like we fall into two camps. It's like either you're all legalistic or the yeah. antinomianism. Is yeah. that what you call it? Like Anti-law, the law, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, hey, you do you. You just whatever. You're you're forgiven. You're good. Mm-hmm. It's just like we we tend to slip into those two areas. Yeah. More yeah, often than kind not. of the Anyway. The two, I think Keller talked about those, those two, if there are two ditches on the side of the cross, one's legalism, one's license. Um, one says, you know, you've got to, no, you have to, and the other one is like, ah, man, God's forgiven us. Come on, you know? And right, right. What is this middle path of, um, you know, to steal from a comer again, apprenticeship to Jesus, which I think that is the key part in that rich young ruler story too, is it's not just sell everything you have. It's like, that's kind of a, that's a distraction. It's, and follow me, like yeah. come and, and be my apprentice, be my disciple, um, which then, you know, it can lead to so many other things that would, that was just the entryway for him. That was the, yeah. the open door for him. But to, to answer your question, um, some of the elements of, and I, you made me think of Hebrews ten fourteen first, which I love that it, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect those who are being made holy. And so that made perfect is really important. And so that's kind of where you, where you dial into a first Corinthians 15, that he died for our sins, um, that he rose. But I think in accordance with the scriptures is the part where I get kind of a little bit lit up thinking about those who are being made holy unto what? Unto actually having the kingdom of God rejoin with this earth. Like it, it is going mm-hmm. to be a physical kingdom at some point. It's not going to be forced by us. It's not going to be brought by, you know, having uh, Christian governments and things like that. It's going to come in ways that we don't expect. But those upside down ways that he talks about in the Sermon on the Mount and the things like um, love your enemy and that I, you won't, like Peter, put down the sword. Put down the sword. What are you doing? You're right. Jack wagon. Like put down the sword (laughs) while I put back this guy's ear. You know, like that's honestly like that, that blew me away. When I was looking at that. What is a jack wagon? I don't know. I just heard it one time. I like it. It's, it's fun to say. It's this alternative Christian <laughs> curse words. Um, yeah, it's fun to hear. <laughs> um, but It just makes me think you're from Tennessee. <laughs> it, I am. While Peter was trying to accomplish something in the flesh, in a kingdom, earthly kingdom way, by violence, Jesus, in the same breath, is both calling him out, saying no, and putting the ear back on, to the enemy that is coming to take him. Um, that's just crazy. Yeah. Studying for this week's sermon, reminded again that, yeah, yeah, that <laughs> Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. Yeah. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread. Uh, he's like, we're going to have this kingdom meal that's going to point to this eventual lamb, supper of the lamb, marriage supper of the lamb, and I'm gonna be taken tonight. Uh, this is going, and so I'm so challenged by not giving in to that part of me that wants to be of earthly strong, earthly like just you know. I've, I was always drawn to that Navy Seal type stuff, like just right. be a real 
strong, you know, you can, you're tough and you can do anything. And, and man, I'm just like this concept of self-sacrificial love from Jesus and that he actually truly calls us to that. It's messing with me, but in a really good way. Um, and I would say that's the biggest one for me right now is reconsidering a lot as it, yeah, you know, in, in those ways, because it, I th- he really meant it. And he wasn't the yeah. only one that was going to lay down his life. He, he really wants us to do that. We count ourselves yeah. blessed when people say things against us. And, you know, how about you? Dude, what, let me, what would you say? Let me encourage you, though, first, like, I, like I, I've seen you really embrace that. You know, mm. just like our conversations and things like that, the challenges of pastoring and people, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. Like I've really seen the spirit work in you in that area. And like even sometimes like the advice I give you would be more like a take the sword, cut off the ear. Yeah. You don't take that advice and you you, you approach it that way. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? That's good. Mm. Good thing you didn't like I was actually playing the devil's advocate on purpose. Oh nice. Right. Yeah, no, I wasn't. Well, it's good to hear. That's just me being a jerk. Yeah. Thank you. So, (laughs) Jack Wagon. Jack Um, Wagon. I'm I'm never going to say that. Um, Why not? You just did. It's on. It's just weird. It just doesn't roll off the tongue. You, Jack Wagon. I feel like it will actually inadvertently make me swear. Jack Weed. That takes me back to my old days. I can't go there either. Um, (laughs) Back to your testimony. Yeah, uh, that's on last week's episode, right? Yeah, pre-testimony. Yeah. Um, yes. Two? Can I have two? Is that sure. fair? Can I have sure. two? Like, like the first one is like um, actually he was watching that episode in the Chosen when Jesus was going to send out the disciples. Okay, right, and he says like you know you're going to go out and heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead proclaim the good news. You're just like, and like, I always felt what I saw on their faces in that scene. It was just like, a, but <laughs> you want me to what, you know, like, yeah, I can talk. What do you want me to say? Well, just say what mm-hmm. you heard. Okay. That's, I can do that. But raise the dead, heal the sick, like that power component. Like I've grown up, my Christianity, my discipling has always been in this like more cessationist, like, you know, the the power or sign gifts of the Holy Spirit, prophecy and healing and SF is no longer yeah, in effect ceased. or there, which is funny because like cessation is still pray for healing. So I'm just like, okay. But like, I think it's just because of such, I think there's more of a, I don't know, I don't get it. I'm fearful of, I never experienced it, uh, you know? Yeah. And, and it's just like that aspect. And you see that all over the New Testament, like the kingdom of God in power, the kingdom of God in power, heal the sick, cast out the demon. You know, like it's, it's all there. So like, there's part of me is like more intrigued, like what is that? And so I'm mm-hmm. like leaning into that. But the second one is, is almost like a, a theme for me for the last five. Like I'm going back to some of the basics. Cause I kind of like became an adult and forgot some of these things, like the beauty. <laughs> of, That's what happens in adulthood. <laughs> dude, like of like righteousness. And yeah. And like when we ca- talking to like, you know, living the way that Jesus would have us live, it's like, yes, but there's, there's first things first. And it's mm-hmm. overflowing from a life of understanding how much Jesus loves us. 
yeah. of like his passion for us to have his joy complete in us. And so I'm prepping for this Sunday sermon, uh, John 7, about like the Feast of Tabernacles. And at the pinnacle of that feast, you know, the the high priest takes the water jug that he got from the Pool of Siloam, and he does this water ceremony, and as hmm. he slowly lifts it up, and the crowd is like supposed to shout higher, and he keeps going up higher, and he, higher, it's like this symbolic picture of like, we're expressing the greatest joys. When he gets to the top, they pour it out, they rehearse Isaiah 12, and in that moment, Jesus is like, interrupts and cries out because he can't contain himself. Like, this festival is about me. Come to me, all you who are thirsty. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, if any of you thirst, and then my brain from there went, okay, blessed are those who thirst and hunger after righteousness. Hmm. And I asked myself the question, how have I always defined that righteousness right there? For me, it was always like, if I'm hungry and thirsting after doing good things, I'll be yeah. blessed. But I went, then, then I was like, okay, Philippians 3, Paul's like, I, I consider everything a loss for the sake of knowing Christ. In essence, I want to get rid of all of me so that I may attain a, a righteousness not of my own, but of him. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, my goodness, Lord, the kingdom has to start first with recognizing that you love me just as I am, yeah. that I am righteous because of your righteousness. And just going back like, oh, is that where that blessedness is, is that I'm hungering and thirsting after you. Yeah. You know, so it's like just been the sweet thing for me of like almost like embarrassment that I forgot righteousness and justification that somehow now I have to maintain it <laughs> and, and refine it. But it's just like, yeah. no, like this is beautiful. This makes well, me it, want to live the way of Jesus. This should make the kingdom of God more compelling yeah. than just, no, blessed are you if you hunger. Yeah. To honor your mother and father, <laughs> yeah. which was always said to no, me. No, and I, what I hear is the hunger. You're there's a hunger for Jesus, and I think nothing to be embarrassed about because I, I think if you think about the one word that's in Scripture so many times, remember, 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 and and we know that it's not about an intellectual exercise. It's not just about understanding. Here is what the righteousness of God means. It is this. Almost like the the way you would um, pick out a tomahawk steak every time we hang out. <laughs> Why do you pick that? Because no it's vegetables, baby. Awesome. Yeah, it's so good, and it's like I hunger for this goodness, this grit. Now it's like, yeah, but haven't you had a steak before? Haven't you? They're <laughs> nice. Haven't you had a? you know, a tomahawk steak before, and why do you need to have that again? Because it's so good. And I think that's a great reminder for us with Jesus. Like there's this, you know, taste and see that the Lord is good, hunger and thirst after who he is. Um, I'm going to throw a question just more to end us so that we can kind of set mm-hmm. ourselves up for the next one. If if I think we've hit different angles of kind of our misunderstandings of the gospel and then the, the fullness and the expansion of it. So Jesus said, go and preach it, go and tell people, go and live it. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the go out and, and heal and raise and all those things. And so that question then pops up. Okay, so if it's not the easy believism, if it's not the kind of, you know, quick, cheap grace thing that Bonhoeffer talked about, and it is this massive 
unfolding kingdom. Jesus is crowned. He's doing this. He's doing stuff in me that I'm forgetting and I need to remember. And how am I going to, you know, how can I tell people about that? I think that's the question I'm going to leave us with that we're going to hit next time of what does it look like to actually see this stuff lived out in our life and what it looks like to tell other people about it, you know, hand out a tract, yeah. <laughs> put a sign yeah, in your yeah, yard. Yeah. Um, yeah. I Man. think it's, it's gotta be deeper, right? Yeah. Let me, so that wasn't a question. That was, a it was, it, for next week, it's right. a setup for next week. So don't answer it, but you can, uh, question. you can take us, right. take us home here because I'm smart. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, we want to like always try to not only just kind of share with you our process, our thoughts behind it. And, um, we also want to encourage you and challenge you to embrace the kingdom, move towards mm-hmm. the kingdom. And so, um, go back to John seven is it relates to the kingdom of God. I think it's important for us to understand that one of the only clear prereqs that Jesus gives, and he gives it in a different picture in John seven is just bring your thirst. If mm-hmm. you're thirsty, you, you come to him. The kingdom is meant to quench your thirst. And, and if you know where you're pursuing what kingdom you're trying to quench your thirst in, you want to look at John four, the woman at the well, she's trying to do it in relationships. We talked about the rich young ruler. He's trying to do it in his wealth and yep. his money. Um, the Pharisees were trying to do it in the religious system. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's Peter all with the sword trying to Peter with the tap sword. into the violent, you know, overthrow yeah. of the Roman government. Yeah. It doesn't work either. Yeah. No. So like, that's where I just want to encourage you. Just know this is why the kingdom of God is compelling and beautiful is that the prereq Jesus is just saying, hey, if you are thirsty, you come. Yeah. Come. And awesome. you'll find yourself blessed as you do that. And that's where you can discover the beauty and the compellingness of the kingdom of God. So nice. Obey your thirst. Go to Jesus. Don't drink Sprite. That's right. Hey, everybody, uh, send us uh, prayer requests. Like we said, the first couple yeah. episodes, we would love to pray for you. People unfinished at Gmail or just comment on one of the places uh, online that we're posting this crazy stuff um, for all three of you that are listening. We'll pray for you. Um, but thanks for uh, joining us for episode five, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>